Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Thank you. You too. So today we are here to learn something. Turn to somebody next to you and say, we're going to learn something. Because my name is Dwight, and, and as you heard, I help people change, right? And so I think one of the greatest ways to help people change, get a little bit of accountability going. And so some of you are here with family. And so we just said, we're going to learn something. But wouldn't it be great if we turn to somebody that, that you're sitting next to and say, he's talking about change, you need to change. So just try that. You need to change. You need to change. Got a teeny bit quieter, just a smidge. So today, we are talking about helping people change because my name is Dwight and Jesus Christ changed my life. Because when you think about this time of year, I love all the presents. I love everything that's up here. Because when we think about this time of year, we think about gifts. But did you know that God brought you a gift. And you think, ooh, is it a gift card to Starbucks? The gift of life. That is exactly right. God gives us the gift of life. Now watch this. What I do with the gift that God gave me is my gift back to God. So there's a tremendous amount of neuroscience because what I focus on in helping people change, right? I take ancient wisdom and then I look at modern neuroscience. And guess what? They line up. Because when we look at the gift of life, the breath of life, right? So if you want to clear your thinking, you breathe through the nose, let it out slow through your mouth. That'll calm the prefrontal cortex. If you ever have trouble sleeping, there's a breathing technique that you can use. Using nostril breathing, you can fall asleep in about 15 seconds. Super helpful technique, no medication involved. Because when we think about life, it's a gift. If you have breath, God gave you a gift. What are you doing with the gift? That's the purpose of our focus today. That's the purpose of our message. So, you want a better life? I do. You want a better life? Right? Then you need a map. Now, when I was growing up, because I want you to know, Julian, I'm, I'm older than Google. I know, that's old. Yeah. Google was launched in 1995, and when we look at maps, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then a map is worth a thousand pictures, right? So when I think about maps, I had to look in the car because I thought, oh, I need a map. And did you know that the only map we had in the car was a map of Epcot? Because when I was growing up, you know, you, you, you'd go to different states when you go on family vacation, and you go in the rest area, and you'd get a map. Because what does a map do? A map isolates, and it allows you to see where you want to go and how to get there faster. So if I said, where do you want to go in your life? Hopefully, you could answer the question. And then I would say, let's take a look at your pace. Because there is a concept that I call freeway and convenience store. It's pretty simple. Because if you pay at the pump or if you really plan your trip out, you don't have to stop at roadside things. But think about a convenience store. Because there's lots of things to distract you. You go inside, oh, look, they have junk food, honey. 
Oh, look, they have lottery tickets. Oh, look, they have all this stuff that's really not that healthy. And look how much time we can waste in the convenience store, right? This is a different concept. It's called Cracker Barrel, right? And so (laughs) be careful, I know. Because when you think about if you're trying to get from here to Atlanta, you know about how long it takes. Your map program on your phone will tell you how long it takes. But if you stop at every exit, you might not ever get there. Where's your life going? Because as I study scripture and as I look at, there are two paths, just two. There's a path of life. There's a path of death. Moses, the man of God, talks about this in in Deuteronomy chapter 30. He said, I set before you today life and death. Choose life. Choose life. And by the way, on those two paths Jesus talked about, there is a wide path, and it's wide, and it's kind of downhill, and lots of people are on it. And how do you identify that they're on it? Well, it's about pleasure. There's a narrow path, uphill, hard climb. How do I identify that path? It's about purpose. Are you walking the pleasure path or the purpose path? Today, I want to guide you toward greater purpose, right? When you're born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like your decisions, (laughs) Pastor Crawford Loritz says. When you're born, you look like your parents. Yep. There's a concept in neuroscience called epigenetics. About one-third of who you are, how you think, how you function is because of your grandparents and great-grandparents and your DNA. And sometimes people say, well, I don't like that. Okay, well, you can change. It's only about a third. And occasionally, Pastor Tim, people will say, you know, Dwight, I was just born in the wrong time. If I had been born in the Old West, I would, and it's like, no, you'd be dead. I mean, if you'd been born in the time of the dinosaurs, you would be a T-Rex lunch. The raptors would have feasted on you. Because when I look at purpose and plan and the gift that God gives, God let you be born in a certain time of history, we call them birthdays, to a certain family in a certain birth order with a certain genetic code. Father God put you in a type of, of geography and environment, and for some people that would mean that there would be access to education and health care and, and tennis shoes and braces. For other people, because I had teenage parents who didn't get to finish high school. And if you don't have education, I want you to know it's a lot harder. And some people get handed different things. So you can either get mad at everything, kind of blame your mother for all your problems, or you can stop blowing up and you can grow up. Oh, what a fantastic concept. All my problems in life are because of my mother. Or my problems in life are because of my first wife and my second wife and my third wife and my fourth wife. And I just can't pick a good wife. Because if success in life were about getting more stuff, wouldn't Hollywood have the happiest ratio? No drug addiction, no alcoholism, no divorce, no violence, no domestic violence, except guess what? Sometimes people who have a lot of stuff, they don't have a lot going on inside. When we get old, we look like our decisions, and that means stop blaming your mother, right? So, success. It's easy to confuse success with externals, right? Ooh, here's a box. It's a pretty box. It's easy to confuse success because we live in a culture that says if you get a really big house, you're successful. 
Oh, you know what? If you get a really nice car, in fact, if you have a really nice four, five, six cars, some people have whole car collections, because if you have a bunch of cars, then you're successful. Well, the person who sells you insurance is very happy, but I'm not sure it defines success, because to me, success is about the journey. So success is not, you get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, right? I got more stuff, and now my life is meaningful. The Bible doesn't teach it that way, and life doesn't show that. Because when we take a look at this, and I do hope that you have a study guide. Uh, Maggie and her team did such a great job. Because with the study guide, you'll see the very first thing. Success is more than making a lot of money. And people say, well, if I just made more money, particularly if you're younger than the age of 25, the research shows that if you're younger than 25, you think, if I had a ton of money, they define that as having a million dollars in the bank, then I would be successful and happy. Weird, that's what 25 and younger believe, but when you look at the clinical data, because I study data a lot, it doesn't show that. The longest study that was ever done on happiness in the United States was done at Harvard University for 83 years. It's still going on. And they've asked the most successful graduates of Harvard for over 80 years what matters most. Do you know what number one was? Family relationships. Some of the people in that study were U.S. presidents, some were U.S. Supreme Court justices, and nobody said having more square footage than my cousin so that I could make him envious on Instagram. <laughs> Externals, no. Our goal today is to look at some internals. It's more than money. Now, and I love this one, right? Look at the screen. No amount of money will buy back missed time with your kids. Most people cannot remember what they got for Christmas when they were seven or eight but they can remember going on a camping trip, or they can remember going to a park, or they can remember having an experience. And I know that it's the holiday season, and you've already, you know, the nice people at Amazon have given you a little checklist from your kids of which video games they want and which stuff they want to be happy. And here's just a suggestion. The research shows those things actually will not make them happy. But to be able to say, wow, look, that game is $65. Let's go find something we can do for $65, just me and you, because I'm your dad and I may not always be here. I mean, this, this Thanksgiving was the first Thanksgiving with an empty chair. And my father-in-law, who preached his own funeral by how he lived his life, godly man, left a legacy. Because some people leave an inheritance, and that's about cash, and it's gone very quickly. But he left a legacy, which is about character. And character goes on for generations. And so if you can think about how can I spend time with the people that matter most, that lasts, that goes on, right? So lasting success is not about getting more stuff. I'm not against stuff. You know, if you like stuff, great. Just don't confuse it with psychological feelings of mental health or wellness. I hope you have a safe car. I hope you have a safe home. hope it has a good roof. But I want you to not confuse stuff with a sense of significance. So as you take a look, filling in your study guide, right? Lasting success comes from QL, quality of life. And how do you get to a quality of life? I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look. You'll see it in your study guide. And I'll just read it. This is from King Solomon, who's challenging. He's writing to his 
teenage and young adult sons. And here's what King Solomon says, get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. I'm going to read it again. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And notice here's the wisest man that ever lived, one of the wealthiest men who ever lived, who didn't say get more stuff. He had many different relationships, but he said, no, get wisdom. That's what I want for you kids. And when we think about wisdom, he goes on. And all you're getting, get understanding. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. And then there's a warning to these teenage and young adult sons. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it. Pass by it. For they do not sleep unless they've done evil and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. In other words, the later in the day, something that my parents taught me when the streetlights come on at night, probably ought to be headed home. Because late, late at night, sometimes people get up to mischief and other people say, yeah, I'm going to go to bed and have a good day tomorrow. There's two paths in life, a path of life and meaning and significance and a path that leads to death. And then King Solomon says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it will spring the issues of life. Keeping your heart with all diligence means to guard your heart. Say that with me. Guard your heart. One more time. Guard your heart. Because to guard your heart means to guard the deepest part of who you are. And to be able to do that, I want to give you a principle. It's not in your study guide, but the principle is this. You will always miss what you're not trained to see. You'll always miss what you're not trained to see. That's why some people, I'm one of them, I go to this really cool place between here and where I live, and it's called Mount Dora, and it's a place that has these little antique shops, which is for people like me who don't know what they're looking for to buy stuff that I later found out, you know, oh, that looks like a pretty good deal. I think I'll buy it and resell it on eBay. And it looks like, and then I get back to eBay and find out what I bought was not worth that much. Now I had a fun day with my wife a couple of times and I finally said we were doing no more antiquing because I think antique is an ancient word from the Latin word called old white guy spends money on things that aren't worth that much. <laughs> I think that's what it means. And then she reminded me, we got to spend the day together. And I said, yeah, I, I, right, I work in the field of clinical psychology. Don't try to out-guilt me, lady. <laughs> I said, could we spend time together and maybe have spent the $27 on something that our kids don't even want, that one day when we're dead, it'll be in a storage unit, and they'll say, why did they buy this old thing? Could we just maybe spend the $27 doing something? And she, she oh, I won't repeat what she said, right? Here's the principle. Hindsight is 2020. And people say, oh, okay, you know, if I just, I've got all these regrets. If I just had known, okay, guess what? Foresight is 2020. if you know what you're looking for. You want a good life? Can you describe it to me? Because here's the danger. You've only lived part of it. You only see part of it. You only know part of it. There's a tremendous danger in our culture, particularly for, for young people, for kids. What do you want to be when you grow up? They have no clue. So they will say things like ballerina or astronaut, 
but they don't know because they haven't lived long enough. And our brains develop our, you know, until at least middle 20s. And so to be able to say, let's talk about character things you can be when you grow up. So I can talk to little girls and little guys about being kind. Oh, do you think you're going to be kind? There's a really cool concept that's practiced at a lot of elementary schools now called the friendship bench. And it's just a bench, and it says on it, friendship, and then you go and you sit on the bench if you're lonely. Because the number one mental health problem in the United States right now is loneliness. Number one, the Surgeon General says. And you sit on the bench if you're lonely, and then other people who are trained as peer support will go and sit on the bench so now you're not lonely anymore. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that sound like church, a place where everybody knows your name and everybody's problems are the same and everybody's glad you came? Or was that cheers? I can't remember. It's one of those. All right. Here's a principle to remember. Everything has an expiration date. You and I have an expiration date. Kobe Bryant, a couple of months before he died, Kobe said, look at this, the biggest mistake that we make in our life is thinking we have more time. Oh, I'll have more time. I know I'll live this long. Well, how? How do you know? If today were your last day, by the way, that's wisdom. Because if you live in the past, you can get caught up in resentment. You can get caught up in regrets. I made this terrible choice. These people did these terrible things to me. And sometimes living in the past can lead to getting caught up in, 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 in depression or guilt or shame. I can't believe this happened. If you get too caught up living in the future, that's called anxiety and panic. Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? I like to remind people, what if an asteroid hits the earth tomorrow? Well, that's not going to happen. How do you know? You don't. But if I can live in today, which is what scripture teaches, celebrate today while it is called today. So to be able to do that is to say, let's maximize our time today. Now, here's how we get there. Purpose involves pain. Jim Rohn said that you'll either have the pain of self-discipline or the pain of regret. So if you're taking notes, I want you to be able to pick your pain. Warren Buffett talked about you know, the billionaire who's given away billions of dollars. He said the most important thing to manage, you would think, well, he's a billionaire. He'd talk about money. No, he said the most important thing to manage is yourself. Self-management. Self-management. He and Charlie Munger, his business partner who died this week at 99 years old, taught never be in a bad situation. Just always look at the circumstances and make your best decision based on those circumstances. Don't be speculative. And that's why when somebody says, well, I always make good decisions, right? A lot of people go to college and they decide to drink and drive. Sometimes even their parents do that. It doesn't end well. So to be able to pick your heart is the, is the idea, right? It's hard to be successful, but it's hard not to. It works like this. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Pick your heart. Being healthy is hard. Being sick is hard. Pick your heart. And somebody says, oh, it's so hard to keep a budget and do all that Dave Ramsey stuff. Kind of hard to struggle with debt. Pick your heart. Well, I want to be godly and I want everything to work out, but I don't want to spend any time in God's word. Then that's called becoming a cultural Christian. Kind of an oxymoron word. Because if I'm a Christ follower, I'm not going to look like the culture. I'm going to look like the master. 
The philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre said it this way, life is the C between B and D. Life is the choice between birth and death. So what choice am I going to make today so that I don't get stuck in average? Now, here's what average looks like. You'll, you'll see it on the screen, right? Average American has $131,000 in debt. 38000 of that is in credit cards. Look at this. They're overweight. They watch 33 hours of TV a week. That works out to 71 full days a year, by the way. They spend about two hours a day on social media. That's 116 minutes. They spend five hours a day on their cell phone. And if you look at this, uh, if married, they'll be divorced by the seventh year. They have less than $1,000 in savings. And so here's what it comes down to. Do you really want to be average? I don't want you to be average. I want you to be healthy. But to get there, you've got to answer four questions. In your study guide, here they are, right? Number one, what's right in my life? Sometimes people will be really hard on themselves, beat themselves up. They'll be perfectionistic. In fact, I know there are some of them here today, Sean. And they're perfectionistic, and, and right now they're a little bit obsessive. And right now, this second, they're mad at me. Because I have a tendency, I want to cram so much in, I want to share so much. And I'm sure that I have missed one of the fill in the blanks. And they're mad at me because they're compulsive. That's why on the back page is the answer key to the fill in the blanks. And you say, well, why didn't you tell me that before? Let me tell you why I didn't tell you that before. You know who you are because you would race ahead. You'd fill in all the blanks and then you'd play, you know, words with friends on your phone. You would stop listening. You're doing it now. You're not even listening because you're filling in all the blanks. I got to get the fill in the blanks because there's going to be a test at the end, right, Joanne? There's going to be a test. No, so the first thing, what's going right in my life? Stop beating yourself up. Kristen Neff, the psychologist at University of Texas, said that one of the greatest mental health problems in our country is that people don't have self-compassion. So when I think about what's right in your life, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. What's wrong in my life? We can list that out. I like to list things. What's missing from my life? What's confusing about my life? Oh, yeah. And then what matters most? What matters most? You see, earlier, I said, God has a present for you. God gave you the gift of life, and that's his gift. Well, let's see. Oh, look. <laughs> What's the gift that God gives? Well, the gift is me. God gave you life and breath. God gives you opportunity. God gives you relationship. God gives you a chance to grow in knowledge of him and his son. So I think about the greatest gift is to look in the mirror and watch this. Do you see you the way God sees you? Do you see you with great value, great worth, great meaning as somebody that, that God could use to change the generations? Something I've been working on is generational healing. Because yes, you did get handed things through your genetics. What if some of that could be reversed? What if you could prune the family tree? Because the family tree shapes a lot of me, but what if I could prune it? What if I could change things? What if I would be able, it's what we were talking about earlier uh, during the break. I said, what would happen? Because if a dad especially has a heart change, this is a Christmas season. One of the most popular movies about Christmas is about a middle-aged guy thinking about suicide. It's a wonderful life. Remember, he's, he's going to jump off the bridge. And the goofy angel says, don't jump off the bridge yet. We still have a lot of movie to make. 
And the angel reminds him, you want to see what this world would be like if you were not here in Bradford Falls? Let me just show you. what it's, If you take one good man out of a community, let me show you how bad it gets that fast. What happens when one man has a heart change? Most popular Christmas story in the last 150 years, a Christmas carol. What happens to Ebenezer Scrooge? He has a heart change. It's like, oh gosh, I'm going to die and I'm a jerk. You don't have to stay there. What matters most, here's the formula. Four zones, you'll see it in your notes. Number one, IQ. This is not SAT test. SAT test, nothing against SAT test. It's just, you only need that when you're going to college. The rest of the time, if I said, are you growing? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm growing. Great. How many books are you reading? Do you have any books? I mean, some people around this time of the year, they buy a lot of books at Barnes and Noble, and that's called shelf help. And shelf help is to buy pretty books to stack up or put by the bedside or, you know, put on a shelf. It looks pretty on the shelf. Self-help is when you actually read one. So to be able to know, are you reading? Are you listening? I was speaking in Kentucky, and it was going really well to a large group of psychologists, psychiatrists, and in the question and answer, somebody said, what book changed your life the most? I said, well, the Bible, because it did. And I had so many people come up afterwards and say, thank you for saying that. Listen, it's true. So if somebody says, I love the Lord, do you spend any time there? Because we can track cognitive development and growth, by the way, a great way, 50% better chance to never get Alzheimer's if you read and do puzzles. Now, if you want to lose your mind, I guess don't do those things because every other person above the age of 80 will get Alzheimer's and we still don't know what causes it, but we do know what slows it. Keeping your mind engaged and turning off a screen. We can measure as somebody growing cognitively by what they're reading, listening to podcasts, there's more knowledge, more information, audiobooks. And so this idea, do I need more books? Yes. Do I need more? Well, you can see the orange. Yeah, I need more books, but I just want to put a different color in there. Because when people aren't learning, they're a KIA, know it all. And a KIA, King Solomon called being a fool. Because you don't even know what you don't know. There's a whole book in the Bible dedicated to this. It's called the book of Job because Job was a rich man, successful man, had a bunch of stuff, but Job didn't know what Job didn't know. And God allowed a lot of hardship until Job was like, I didn't know that. And what happens? God expands his view of things that matter because he was able to go, I didn't know. A person with growing, a growing sense of awareness they're learning, right? It's the difference between EDU, book knowledge, book smart, EXP, street smart. Now, if you have to choose between the two, street smart will get it done, but both equals opportunities. And this is where I particularly love talking and schools talking with young people, because the ones that are like, I'm just going to get book smart. Yeah, you better get some life skills. I'm just going to get life skills. Who needs, you know, no more teachers, no more books, no more teachers, stupid looks. Okay, well, you're going to need some education in there somewhere. Because if you can put those two together, you'll have great opportunity. My parents didn't finish high school, but I did. Because they made sure that I had education and life skills. 
I knew how to drop the, the engine and rebuild an engine because my dad would rebuild cars and sell them on the weekends to help pay for private school and then later for college. So I learned how to paint and repair houses because my parents would find rental houses. They taught me life skills, but I still had great teachers and mentors. You need both to become aware. Now, awareness is EQ. Number one skill Harvard says that you need to be successful in life is EQ, emotional intelligence. Now, how can I tell if somebody has emotional intelligence or emotional awareness? It's really simple. And there's a test you could do even today. It means that you'll have to go to Publix, great place where shopping is a pleasure. <laughs> be very careful, Andrew, very careful to get five items in your little green basket. And you take your five items and you go to the lane that says 10 items or less. And then in the 10 items or less, you will see that there are people tragically here in Lake County who are illiterate and cannot read or count. <laughs> and they will have their buggy with 917 items in line in front of you. Now part of, I won't say you, but part of me is in the past, I will confess I am here at the Father's House and Church. I've had a bad attitude in the past and I saw their basket full of like, can you not read? <laughs> and then one of my kids reminded me, Dad, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know if they're like mom and just buried their dad. You don't know anything because you don't know what you don't know. So emotional awareness is really simple. You stop from being here and you go over to the other point of view and you go, wow. And that's pretty amazing because until you have that experience, you fight a lot, you complain a lot, you criticize a lot, you attack a lot, high drama. Because you know it all. When you're able to look at it from the other point of view, you go, oh, now I understand. The best example of that happened in a barn in a city called Bethlehem of Judea where deity came and lived among them. Jesus came and lived as a man because of us. But when people say God doesn't understand lonely, yeah, he does. God doesn't understand being attacked and criticized. He lived as a man. He walked among them. His own disciples didn't get it. And being able to know what would happen if I had a sense of awareness. Now, self-aware is rare, but just remember the rule. The higher the self-awareness, the less drama, conflict, criticize, attack. So when somebody's busy attacking, those stupid politicians, sometimes to step back, right? Here's a better way to look at it, right? So here's common sense. Here's nonsense. Nonsense, there's a lot of drama. But sometimes, especially in a political season, the people that are using the high drama to make you mad, they're actually trying to manipulate you to make you mad. Because if somebody can make you mad or make you scared, they can control a part of your brain. Isn't that weird? Now, there's a simple way to keep that from happening. It's turn off screens. Because if you, if you have screens, it'll fuel that. And then you'll find yourself really mad and upset all the time instead of feeling a sense of peace or being able to say, I'm part of the problem, right? 
People who make mistakes, people admit making mistakes. Now, let's practice this, and some of you are here with relatives, so just be able to look at somebody, and, 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 and I'll, show you, I'll show you what feels good. It's look at somebody and say, you make mistakes. I mean, just try that one. Try that one. You, you make mistakes. Yeah, and if you don't believe you make mistakes, just you know, suggest how they drove to church today, right? Now, here's where it gets a little harder, is look at that same person that you were kind of giggling about and say, and I think I make more mistakes. Wow. So what's a basic principle of emotional awareness, emotional intelligence? It's kindness. How much does it cost to be kind? How much does it cost to be compassionate? How much does it cost to be able to be friendly? To smile? All right, just, just look at somebody next to you and smile. It doesn't cost anything to smile. Delta Airlines had the most profitable quarter in the history of the airlines because they taught their managers with staff how to be compassionate and kind and smile they brought in life coaches, they brought in healthy snacks, and they started showing compassion to all of their team members. And their team members showed up and said, let's get people safely to their destination. How much does it cost to be kind? Uh, that would be zero, Alex. What does it change when somebody's kind? That would be everything. And that's AQ, that's adaptability. AQ is adaptability. How well do you change? Are you flexible? Do you get bent out of shape or do you flex? Do you pay attention to the tension? Do you pay attention to things that need to change? Like in a relationship, do you go and attack or do you unpack? Let's figure this out. It's what Adam Grant at Wharton Business School calls be curious, not furious. Because to be curious is to be able to say, oh, let me look at this whole picture. Right? Are you trying to prove something or are you trying to improve? Right? When I look in the mirror, the whole goal well, is to improve, to see me the way God sees me. You think God's done with you yet? No, because you can take a breath. God isn't done. To see you the way God sees you. And God's not finished, but adaptability. That's B.B. King, by the way. B.B. King, as one... Many people say the greatest uh, guitarist, the greatest, that's uh, Lucille that he's holding, his guitars in the Smithsonian. And he was musical and gifted in a time where a person of color would frequently have his songs, his lyrics, everything that he wrote stolen away. And you know what B.B. said? I'm just going to keep playing. They can't steal my creativity. If I learn something new, they can't steal. Eric Clapton said, the reason that I play the way I do is because of B.B. King. And Elvis and so many others said the same thing. Why? Because he kept learning. Well, they stole from him. Get stuck in the past and ruminate and be all upset or worry. How am I going to make it in the future? He went, no, nah, I'm just going to learn something new today. What a great example for you and I to learn something new today. Because if I'm learning, like B.B. said, they can't steal that from you. Now, I know it's the holiday season, so I will dedicate this to those of you who are here with your relatives, right? Uh, for my friend Daniel Amen, people in therapy are often in therapy to deal with the people in their lives who won't go to therapy. All right, take a picture of that. You're going to want to share that with um, a relative later. 
well, the reason I'm in therapy is because of them. They're the problem. Guess what? I can do something about it. But as long as I'm frustrated, irritated, annoyed, I can't believe, stupid person, maybe we should work on ourselves first, or at least learn to laugh, right? Dad jokes, I was abducted by aliens, they made me wash my hands, clean my room, eat my vegetables, turns out I was on the mother ship. <laughs> at least I can laugh about it, or I can say, you know, do I look a little more like Jesus? than I did yesterday? How can I measure that? Well, are you a little more kind, gentle, good? Are you more loving than you were yesterday? The, the goal is 1%. So instead of saying, I've arrived, I know everything, I've got it all figured out. No, you don't. It's to say, how can I be 1% better, or what I call NRT, can I take the next right step? Because if I'm taking the next right step to say I'm learning, there is a mighty God who will open up opportunities. Around the holiday season, there's a word that will steal all of your joy. And that word is expectation. Here's what I want my holiday to be. If you want a great example of this, look up Clark W. Griswold on the internet. And Clark will show you how to have the perfect, big old, honking family Christmas you know, with, you know, God bless America and all the packaging of the neighbor and Crazy Eddie. I want everything I want to go perfect. Not on this planet. Now watch. Expectation. <sighs> Big view. There's 8 billion people on the planet. The Lord loves all of them. And when I take the big view of anticipation, is to be able to say, I have the hope that things will work out, God, but I'm going to let you be in control right? So this holiday season, to be like Bob Goff says, I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with people. Instead of trying to prove, I just want to improve. Bishop Desmond Tutu died last year. He said, there comes a time that we need to go see why people keep repeating the same problems. Go to the headwaters, go to the source. And for me, for many of us, the source is a lack of forgiveness. My Angela, before she died, said, forgive everybody. And she'd lived through a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of being used. Everybody has issues. Healthy people talk about the issues. That's the bottom line. It's what I like to say, who has your front to confront? Hey, you know what? I think it's time to make some changes. You say, I don't want my family members to talk to me like that. Then I guess you don't want to change. But if I can take a small step, I can get a big result. And then I will live what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, there's never been the slightest doubt that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and would bring you to a flourishing finish. There's never been a doubt that the way God sees you can come to pass. How? Well, you just keep taking one more step and you keep surrounding yourself with people like here that make a difference and people that care. And it also means being able to know when you look in that mirror to say, you know, I think I'm part of the problem, but with God's help, I think Jesus Christ can change me. I pray for that. Pastor Tim, come dismiss us. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352 352- 
352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.